Behind every successful woman is a tribe of other successful women who have her back. Harnessing the power of genuine connection is what allows women in business to flourish. We are honored to be a part of this incredible movement. You are listening to She Meets Radio, presented by Afroship Mompreneur. I am your host, Nancy Laws. Thank you for joining us. Today's guest is Celeste Hilling of Skin Authority, and I've had the opportunity to introduce you guys to Celeste through our blog posts and our social media. And I'm really excited about this interview. I had a great conversation with Celeste about two weeks ago, which it was really a great learning opportunity for me and a great opportunity to get some great tips from a really wonderful and successful female entrepreneur. Thank you for joining us, Celeste. How are you doing? Thank you. It's such a pleasure. Anytime I get to connect with you, Nancy, so I'm doing great. Thank you. Wonderful. Did you have a great um, holiday weekend? I did, actually. I had one of the most amazing things, which is had time to connect with my family. With all the travel and things in the world that we live in, it's sometimes hard just to have that downtime to connect. So I loved that we had some really close friends and their kids and our family together. So you couldn't ask for more than that. That was awesome. Of course. And it's a really great opportunity to recharge as well and to approach our businesses in a from a different perspective. <laughs> Absolutely. One of the quotes that I love, that I, Deborah actually gave me this quote um, of yours, is Photoshopping of business. So many owners try to paint the perfect picture. That's not good for any of us. Be authentic. And the approach that I took with the piece that we wrote for our featured Fempreneur this month, which is yourself, of course, is on authentically and generously leading. Because, you know, from our first conversation, I just, I realized that you are really passionate about approaching business from an authentic point of view and just showing us the realities of business, you know, not making it seem as if it's one way because of the challenges that it brings the new for new entrepreneurs. So can you tell us about the importance of being authentic as a business owner and um, why that helps to simplify business for those that are coming behind us? Yes, I think that, you know, especially in today's environment where, you know, you have everything happening real time um, with social media and communication being so rapid, I think that, you know, consumers are super smart, they're super instinctive, and whoever your customer is, whether that's a business or a consumer, you know, they're very, very aware, I believe, of of looking for authentic relationships, of looking for things that are real, because, you know, in our world, we're so filled with things that that aren't, and I think that, you know, they're hungry for relationships that have real value, and more importantly, that are personalized. So I think that when you talk about, you know, how to be successful in any business, regardless of what the nature of that business is, in the end, I think it is all about building relationships. And I think as important as your financial plan is and as important as your business plan, what's your people plan? You know, everything from how do you connect with other people in a way that is meaningful to them. Like right now, you know, we're doing this podcast, but hopefully I know you well enough that your goal is that somebody takes something valuable away from the time that they spend with us today. And that's my purpose as well. And I think if we do that and we deliver value, then there's a reason to keep having that dialogue continue and there's a reason for that relationship to continue to grow and flourish. Right. And I think in business we forget that, you know, 
would we want to spend time with us? I mean, if, if you heard your business mission statement, you know, is it something that means something? Does it resonate? It's no longer good enough to say we want to be the number one provider. Okay, well, what does that mean, and how does that have value to me? So I think it's about sitting down and really just having a very human face to what you do and understanding what problem are you really solving and why is it important and being able to verbalize that and, more importantly, be able to listen because I think that is one of the most important parts of authentic leadership is is really being able to listen to the needs of the people you serve, both employees and people outside of the organization, your customer base, and really hearing that. And I say that, Nancy, because it's not always something you want to hear. You know, sometimes you have to re-engineer based on what's happening out there. And I think all of us sort of get set in our direction, and it's hard sometimes to make shifts. But I think that, you know, one of the most valuable lessons I've learned over the years is being fleet of foot and actually embracing change and embracing feedback that you don't always want to hear because it makes you stronger and better. And if you can be responsive, even if you're not perfect, customers will forgive you because they see that you're trying. And I think that's where authentic relationships have value is that they get to know you and feel like they have a relationship with you. When you have a misstep, which you will at some point, uh, whether that's, in, you know, in my case, you know, we've had issues in production or sometimes the tube doesn't work or the pump doesn't work the way it should or, or you know, we've had uh, marketing positionings that weren't right. And, and customers will say, hey, you know, that doesn't resonate with me because it doesn't fit with your image. You know, and if you're able to say, well, what does that mean? Tell me what that looks like to you. And then go back to your team and brainstorm and come back with something that meets that need. Those customers are so appreciative that they were heard, um, even if it isn't perfect, and they'll stay with you. And I think that's, what I've really learned, and by the way, employees are like that too. You know, you want oh, yeah. to make the perfect decision, but you want them to stay, and so you want to build a two-way dialogue. Right, um, that is very true. And one thing I remember from our conversation last time is you mentioned, um, you know, with your own business, Skin Authority, you've said that some of your customers are said they're coming to you because they see the difference that you're making in the community because you communicate that you're open about the work that you do in the community and and it's very important because sometimes we don't realize you know people are coming to us because they because they understand that mission that vision we've communicated it so well that they're coming to support the work that we're doing which is really great and a lot of us don't re- always realize that um that is a huge part of authentic branding and um how how have you communicated because i know that um you do a lot of work in the community we mentioned that in the post um from united cerebral cerebral palsy to vitamin d the think tank innovative for children and look good feel better um these are just a few of the organizations that you partner with to help make a difference in your community how do you communicate that with your customers so that they can understand your mission. One of the things that we do is we we try to also understand, you know, not just charities that are meaningful to us or mm-hmm. community involvement means to us, but also we ask our customers, what are you passionate about? You know, what right. causes do you really care about? Because it's important to understand what what matters to them. And and in many cases, to be honest, Nancy, quite a few of the things we're involved with are the things our customers asked us. <laughs> you know, they asked us to get engaged or things that they were. You know, passionate about, and we we've since embraced them as company supports. But, but you know, I think one of the things I will share with you is that I think a lot of entrepreneurs think that unless they have a ton of money, 
they can't get involved in the community and they keep waiting for that magical moment when they're when their company goes public and they'll have enough money to give. Right. And, <laughs> and what I say is that one that may never happen and I hope it does, but it may never. But the other is that what I've learned is the things that the community needs aren't always in dollars. They're mm-hmm. in volunteer time. They're in your commitment to see I mean so many of these organizations just need your sheer presence your hands, your eyes, you know, your support, that's much more than money. And volunteering can be one of the best ways. And guess what happens when you volunteer? When you volunteer, you create relationships with the people right. that you work side by side with. And that, when you ask how do you communicate it, the way we communicate it is through other people telling the story for us. Mm-hmm. Because those people that you went, those 400 volunteers at the cerebral palsy you know, event where we put on a big dinner each year, and it's staffed completely by volunteers. So 400 women actually put this on. They 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 cook the food, they serve the tables, they clean the place, they put up the tents. You know, when you're working side by side with these women, you're developing relationships, and they tell someone else, "Wow, do you know that the whole Scandalty team spent all day with us putting this together?" And that's more powerful than any message we could send out. Right. Um, and I think that those are the things we forget. And, you know, and more importantly, the things we get back, because we get to know these people and it translates back to how we look at the products and the things that we deliver to support them. And we know a lot of them by name, and that's super powerful. But I think even if it's not something like that, or you just look at, you know, how you can actually give back to your community in other ways. So, for example, we made a commitment that all of every, every service that we outsource as a company, all the suppliers we use, would be from our local communities. That right. is a lot more expensive to do, but the power of, you know, because you, because we're not getting our tubes in China, for example. Right. But, but the reality is that the power of that, the power of actually being a vendor in your community, whatever jobs you do have, giving to the people that live in that community, that's so powerful today. And people that's appreciate it. that. And they feel it. And they, they know that their brother or sister or cousin has a job because of you. And I think that that's really important. And and we forget as business owners because we think, if we're, for example, you know, if we're small and you only have a few employees, you think you don't make an impact. But the truth right. is you are outsourcing things, whether it's outsourcing things you get created or, or tubes you get done or packaging you get, you know, created. And think about where are those jobs going and how are you supporting right. it. And because those businesses will support you back. And that's really powerful, too. Yes, it is. Um, involving the community, um, really important in business today. You know, like you said, saying instead of going to China to get this, I'm going to local small businesses to support them. And then we can all work hand in hand, partner together to make a difference in our communities and to grow our businesses. There's definitely power in that. The well, other place, can mm-hmm. I add one more thing? The other place that there's a lot of power in that is when you you know, all of us look at how do we get the funding, you know, to do the mm-hmm. things we want to do. And yeah. I think the number one thing for entrepreneurs is sometimes they're afraid of, well, how do I go out and get enough money to do what I need to do? Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest things I found is that because of our presence in the community, when you go to a local bank or you go to a local credit union and they see the impact you're making, there are human sides. There are definitely spreadsheets that they make decisions off of to say yes, yes. or no about extending a loan or a line of credit, but, but they're humans. And at the end of the day, when they see the impact you're making, there's a part of them that wants to support you. 
And I think that, that that helps you when you're going out and trying to raise money or you're trying to find loans. And we forget to, to invest in that. And that's a really important part of being successful. That is true. Um, I actually read the, a book recently I loved. It was by the creator of Tom's, the Tom's Shoes. And, um, you know, his story is really great. And one thing he mentions in the book is there is a power in the story. A lot of people will invest in the story, and sometimes we forget that. We forget the importance of having a story as a brand, and that story can involve the work that we do in the community, the partnership that we the partnerships that we create in our communities, those are all part of the story. And, you know, as a business owner, we shouldn't overlook that because it's really powerful, um, like you said. Absolutely. And I have to go into another one of your quotes because <laughs> I tell you, I have been talking to everybody about our call because I just I got so many quotes that I just loved. And one of them was about taking risks because the worst thing that can happen is, you'll end up where you began. And, you know, the platform that we have from the podcast to the blog, like I mentioned, is really about sharing the stories, the stories that we have as female entrepreneurs, the challenges that we face, because it really does make a difference in the life of someone who's coming, who's just starting their business. I know that it made a, a huge difference for me, you know, reading blogs, connecting and um, reading about the stories, the, those that have found success before me, reading their stories and understanding the challenges they had, how they overcame made a huge difference. And um, I just really wanted to talk to you about that quote and um, how you applied that to your life, you know the risks that you've taken to get where you are with skin authority. Yes. You know, when you look at us, we, you know, I, I appreciate that because, you know, one of the things I, I want to really share is it is risky. I mean, when you start yeah. your own business, it's risky. And, and so we kind of get, we are more fearful of the unknown. You know, we have risk in our lives every day. Maybe our job you know, even if you're working for corporate America, look at what's happening. You could potentially not have your job tomorrow. But right. we don't think about that risk because it's a no, we know it's something we know and understand. When we start a new business, there's all these things we don't, all these unknowns, and they, we actually build them into these big monsters, you know, that we're afraid of. And I think what, what I've felt and what I've learned over time is that I've learned to to know that I can master almost anything. And I'm not saying that in an arrogant way at all. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is that every industry has its vernacular, you know, its unique language. And sometimes we're scared when we go into a new business and they're talking about terms we don't understand. Or, you know, if you're not a strong financial person and you have to present a business plan, you're afraid of a cash flow sheet, you know. I mean, there's mm-hmm. things like that where... What I've learned is I don't love all these aspects of my job, but I've mastered them all because they're really important to being successful. Mm-hmm. And I've learned that, that if I just go out and ask people, if I just go out and say, hey, you know what, could you help me out? I'm really not the strongest operations person. I really want to put this plan together. You're an amazing operations person. Could you share some insights for me? Could I get you to work with me on this? You know, there's nothing wrong with acknowledging weakness. Um, right. And I think as women, we get re- it's really hard because we have to be so strong for everyone around us, our children, our partners, you know, other women who come behind us. And we feel like if we acknowledge that we don't know something, it's, it's, it's showing weakness mm-hmm. and that somehow we'll be judged for that. And I've, I've learned over the years that I think 
that fear of failure, that fear of re- revealing something about yourself that's not perfect, um, you know, keeps a lot of us back. And I think that once you can tell yourself, you know what, everybody's flawed. And I can, I can share a little bit, you know, I come from the high-tech world, and as Deborah might have shared with you, I mean, I've worked with some of the most amazing people that have really redefined the world, whether that's Steve Jobs or Bill Gates or whomever it might be. And the reality is that I've been able to see those people firsthand, see the things. And by the way, they're all flawed, just like us. <laughs> and you can read books where they talk about it. So, so I think there is no one who's perfect. The difference is what I've seen in those people that are tremendously successful is that they don't get easily deterred. Right. They really, they have incredible stamina to stay with something when no one else will believe you or believe in you. And that's what I've learned is that people get fearful. And when people tell me something that I'm trying to do cannot be done, emphatically cannot be done, that's when I know I'm on the right track. Because <laughs> that's re- because people are fearful of, of really innovative ideas. And I think that that sometimes, you know, now I want to caution, Nancy, that, you know, obviously if you're running spreadsheet after spreadsheet and something can never make a financial return, then you have to acknowledge that there's something wrong with the model. (laughs) But but I think if you step back and say if it's just a concept that has never been done yet and people can't envision it and that's the only reason they can't grab onto it, then you shouldn't be fearful because you may be pioneering something that hasn't been done yet and people can't understand it. So I think when you talk about, you know, fear and when you talk about moving forward and taking risks, I think that, you know, in my case, you know, Skin Authority is completely 100% self-funded. You know, we have no outside investors. We have never had an outside investor. We've been funding the company from the day we started it personally. And there's a lot of risk in that. It's very scary because your whole livelihood, and oh, by the way, the livelihood of all your employees and your family, you know, everyone depends on you. Um, And I think that's a tremendous amount of pressure. But the flip side is it's a lot of freedom because Mm -hmm. the other side is I've made a lot of decisions. We've made a lot of decisions as a team that a a venture capitalist would never have supported because what they look at is, you know, and rightfully so, they give you the money. So they want to know, what are you doing with my money? When are you getting this money back to me? How am I going to – and that's the right thing. Mm -hmm. But the flip side is we've invested in things like our skincare coaching which, you know, we spent a lot of money to train these coaches to put the systems in place way before we ever saw a dime coming back. But we knew the power of building that relationship. We were committed to that. We knew that there was not a model in skincare where there was any kind of service, personalized, educated service available to help you pick the things that were right for you, to help you stay with it. And what we knew is if we could be unique and bring that to market and build those relationships, it would return exponentially to us so what we knew is we were going to lose money for a while we were going to invest in something that didn't immediately pay us back but we knew the end game and we were very focused and by the way today if I were to pull out our original business plan it is Mm -hmm. almost on spot with where we are today Um, so from 10 years ago so it shows if you have a vision and you're clear and you stay on track Mm -hmm. Um, but when we told people 10 years ago we'd be doing half a million Skype sessions uh, with consumers, they would have laughed at us, you know, and said, who's going to do a coaching session over Skype? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, think, I think that's where you have to just be doggedly committed and in some ways unfazed by people that don't believe in your plan. And that's hard. 
it's it hard is. to do, but it's also you. It's really about conviction in the end, and that's what passionate entrepreneurs have. What What would be one tip that you could give on overcoming your fear? Really, just you know, yes, it takes determination, but sometimes that fear holds us back, and it's actually something we wrote about last week. How do you get the courage to really say, I'm, I am going to take that leap? I may look ridiculous to everybody else, right? <laughs> but I'm willing to take that leap and overcome that fear. Yeah, it was funny. I was just having this conversation with a friend of mine this weekend. He, he's been with a company for 27 years. He wants to start a business on his own. His wife is like, you're leaving something so secure and he said, see, nobody believes, you know, nobody feels like I should do this. They think I'm crazy. And I said, well, you know, you want to do it. You believe in yourself. You've been very successful at what you've done. Why do you feel you can't be successful here? And maybe, you know, you need to understand where their fears are coming from and share it with them. But where I'm headed is all of us face that moment when we have to decide. And one thing I would really suggest, Nancy, is, you know, if you were really passionate about something and you want to go out and do it, you know, if you are employed somewhere, stay employed and start building, start taking baby steps. You know, write a business plan Go while you're employed, while you have cash flow, while you have the things you have. Start, you know, one of the best things to negate your fear is I took a year and I went to almost every successful person in the beauty and skincare business. I actually, on my nickel, flew to different cities and I said, would you meet with me? I'd love to interview you about your career and what you think you've done well and things you would do differently. Mm-hmm. And what was great is by the time, and I mean, I talked to Dr. Paracom, Dr. Murad, they were so generous, you know, Jane Iyer, all these names that we now see out there in the consumer world. And they took time to tell me about, you know, what they were doing well, what they did, what they would do differently in their career. But what I walked away from every one of those interviews, because I always said, what would you do if you were starting your business today? And that was a very eye-opening conversation because in many cases they shared things that they would do differently based on what they had learned. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was such a great education for me. Mm -hmm. But also I walked away really confident because I realized all of them were no different than me. You know, they all, when they started, they didn't know any more. They didn't have much more, you know. And you realize that you, you could do it too. And I think, right. and the other thing is I then had the benefit of all their learning and what they would do differently. And that really helped me cement the vision for what I wanted to go do. So I think that you don't have to do this complete jump off a cliff. You know, you could, you can actually put some steps in there where you basically, Go from a very secure position and start doing your homework, start talking to people, start writing your business plan, maybe even start some of your business on the side on weekends and at night so that you can test out all your concepts. And when you are ready to make that leap, you're making it with a little bit more of a concrete path, if you will. Right. Oh, goodness. Wonderful. And you did touch on skin authority briefly, but I did want to go back to that because um For our listeners, we have a monthly feature called App My Life, which is a feature where we feature apps that really simplify the lives of busy female entrepreneurs, working moms, you know, anybody who would need an app to just completely transform their lives. I love apps. I think technology has really created a lot of opportunities for for us, and we should take advantage of them. And, you know, that was really the the reason for this series. And... uh, 
skin authority is um it, i think the app is actually my skin authority correct that's right it is okay my skin authority, um, yes. <laughs> my skin authority is the app of the month um could you please tell us about this app and how it literally does revolutionize the way we approach skin care and loving our skin? Absolutely. So My Skin Authority is a mobile app. It's free. You can download it from iTunes or from your Google Store, depending on whether you have an Android or an iPhone. Mm-hmm. And once you download that app, you have, at, you have immediate access and you actually have free access to a licensed skincare professional in whatever way you want to connect. So when you download My Skin Authority, the very first thing you'll see is an opportunity to share your skin story, which is really about just telling us a little bit. It's a very brief little questionnaire about your skin, about some of your thoughts about it, and then that will engage a, a skin coach to actually have a dialogue with you. You can share what your current routine is and maybe ask for help of, is this the right thing for me? Perhaps you have something going on with your skin that you haven't seen and you haven't really had time to get it checked out. So, so what the coach is there for is, first of all, these are all licensed trained professionals who have had hundreds of thousands of hours of hands-on with consumers just like you, dealing with skincare conditions that are similar to what you experience. So they have depth of knowledge and firsthand experience to really understand what your skin concerns are and to help guide you. But what's great about technology is that you can take your phone, and if you have a, a camera on your phone, which we all do now, Yes. Excuse me. You can hold the phone up to your face, and you can the camera, and you can show the skincare therapist, you know what what you're talking about. Let them see the lines, or let them see the the dark spots, or let them see the breakouts, and that gives them a great way to be able to have a, a real one-on-one professional consultation with you that will help you answer any questions you have, help you get on the right track. If you're just curious, what ingredients are best for this condition? Or what steps should I use in a routine? If, I only, if I'm only going to do one step a day, what's the most important step I can do? And those are the things we all want to know, but it's really about doing that. But what's great is the consultation doesn't stop there. On your phone when you download the app, you can push a button that says, call a coach now. You can, when you push that button, it directly connects you to a coach. I mean, the phone starts ringing and you can talk. You can schedule a FaceTime. You can schedule a chat. You can do an email with them right on the spot. So that coach is always there for free following you wherever you go. If you're in a retail store and you're looking at a shelf and you're not sure what to get, that coach can help you pick it off the shelf. So mm-hmm. it, it really is your own little skincare personal trainer that walks with you everywhere you go, and our mobile technology lets you stay in touch with them. So as your needs change, as you get home and you experience things, you can have that coach continue to grow with you. And that's what, what do we mean by making great skincare accessible to mm-hmm. everyone is technology lets everyone, regardless of your income, regardless of what you can spend, because it is free, it's about giving you that guidance and that professional knowledge so we can do what's uniquely right for you. And that's the difference. Right. And it's really it's a really amazing, amazing process. I had the opportunity to work with a skin coach and I learned a lot about my own skin and the ways to resolve some of the problems that have I've always struggled with. It's it's really amazing. It simplifies skincare. And that's really the purpose of App My Life. It's really finding apps that help to simplify our lives. And if you're someone who is looking for an, a really great, fun way <laughs> to approach skincare and to love your skin, because that's really the way I was looking at it, the opportunity to really love your skin in a new way, try authority it's really the process is a lot of fun the coach 
at least I know my coach was really great. She was very kind, very patient, had a lot of great tips. She knew everything. She had the right answers for me. So it was really an exciting opportunity. Um, can you tell they us? Are, they, you, are, they are a bunch of great women, too. They're just fun. They're fun to talk to and connect with. And by the way, Nancy, you, you're beautiful. You have gorgeous skin. So you're, you have you. a canvas to work from. So. Oh, thank you so much. Um, I did want to talk. When did you decide, um, you know, from when did you decide to launch the app? You know, from the was it and why? Because I know that you already have the site and the products. Was it was it something that was a part of your original business plan or something that came after? It was actually always a vision of ours. I wouldn't say that we saw the app specifically, um, but what we knew is for about the last seven years, we've been coaching people via email and phone. Okay. So what what has evolved is just the the fact that everyone today has a mobile phone. I mean, it's yeah. in the past you had a certain percentage of people that had a phone but maybe didn't have data or didn't. Have, now the way data plans are, the way phones are, everybody's got constant access to right. the internet and to their phone. And what we found is our you know it doesn't matter what demographic our consumer is, they're all mobile. I mean, the, whether you're commuting to work on a train every day for an hour or you're you're driving your kids to school and to sports or you're a busy salesperson out in the field whatever your job is and whatever you're doing out there most of us are highly mobile and what we found is that most of the time when you have a question it's when you're on the go you know oh god i've got to be somewhere tomorrow and I, what am i going to do tonight i'm getting off work and i don't have time to stop and get anything between now and tomorrow so what do I have at home that would work to solve this problem before I have to take pictures tomorrow? You know, whatever it is. <laughs> so it's it's really what we decided is we need to be available when you need us. Be accessible when it's right for you. And that mobile app allows us just to be at your fingertips so that when it's right for you, you can reach out. And that's that's really what the technology does. Is it allows us to be accessible when you need us. Because isn't that what it is? It's about when you need us. Right. So, I mean, Uber has been incredibly successful because they put someone at your fingertips when you're ready. You know, I need somebody now to pick me up on the corner of blah, 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 and within seven minutes, somebody's there. Um, and that's, so that means consumers are no longer going to wait to get in touch. They're just going to move on. So we need to be there and be ready and be responsive to them. And more importantly, the biggest thing it allows us to do is be unique to you. Because if there's anything that should be personalized, it's skin care. Because whatever... Well, for your friend probably isn't going to work for you because your skin is probably different. So it's really about you know personalizing that experience. That is very true. Um, I will say one um, question that I, I would you know I wanted to ask now because we know a little bit about your accomplishments and I know it's probably just a small small bit of uh, everything that you've accomplished in your time as a female entrepreneur. But what we love to ask and talk about, like I mentioned to you before, are the challenges. What are some of the challenges that you've overcome, you know, whether it was before Skin Authority or through your journey with Skin Authority that have been unique to you as a female entrepreneur? Well, that would be like a whole hour. <laughs> um, because, Or maybe more, because, you know, I'd love to tell you the challenges are once in your lifetime, but they're every day. Um, right. the, but the magnitude of them varies. So, so I would say that one of the biggest challenges, and, and by the way, even in the beauty industry today, 
if you look at the beauty industry overall, if you look at the heads of most of the major corporations that are doing beauty, they're all male. Right. Um, so we are still in a world today where women have a limit in, in perception as right. to where they can go when you start talking about mega companies. And, right. you know, you, you have a lot of women founders who sell their companies and then it goes up to a big box company that's run by a man. So I think that one of the things over the years that I faced with, whether it's in fundraising or whatever, you know, I actually had people say, well, you should have a male COO so that you would have the credibility of understanding the finances. I'm like, really? Oh. <laughs> so so there, there are still issues today with, with you know, especially in the green business where people get fluff of mm-hmm. being really respected and, underst- and being taken seriously. Right. But what I've learned is that I don't go and say, oh, my gosh, how insulting, they don't take me seriously. What I do is I go, you know what, I need to be prepared that someone may not feel that I'm capable or may not feel that my plan is solid, so I'm going to go the extra extra nine yards to poke holes in my own plan, to do mm-hmm. to be prepared so that whatever they ask, I'm comfortable. So I think, one, you can't wing it. I think you have to go in really prepared, and you need to go to the toughest person you know, the person mm-hmm. who's like your biggest naysayer, and let them shoot holes in everything you want to do so that you can go back and and take those areas where they shoot holes and really make that plan solid so that you're confident when you go in front of anyone that no matter what someone throws at you, you can handle it. I think that's you need to do that for yourself because you're going to run into things in business where people tell you no, where people say it's not right, and you've got to do your homework so that you have answers to those objections in a way that you, you are in control. And I think... A lot of us don't do the homework and the prep to get there, and then you then you fall apart. So I think it's right. about doing the homework and preparing and being really strong for it for financial questions, for business plan questions, for competitive questions. Do your homework, so you know it. The other the the biggest challenge I think you also face is that you know you, as you grow, your organization will change, mm. and change is not always comfortable for everyone. So you may have long-time employees who've been with you forever that you love who can't evolve to the next level. Mm-hmm. And you may be in a position where you have to have a conversation about, is this the right time to exit? And that is a tough thing to do, especially when you love people and you feel connected, and especially as women, because I think we are so much better at, at relationships and loving people and, and having a nurturing aspect to us. So I, I have to say that, that turnover is something that I've learned to embrace at different stages in the company because I realized that, um, you know, not everyone's going to see it all the way through to the finish. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that doesn't mean you're a failure or that you're bad if you have turnover in your organization. Now, if you have a revolving door, you need to say, hey, is something wrong? But but I mean that, there are, that your company is going to go from startup to fast growth and then to sort of maintenance and growth mode. So, at each of those turns, you're probably going to experience changes in your staff, changes in your direction, because you're going to a different phase of the company. And right. so I think you have to embrace that change will come and that you can't see change as a bad thing. Um, and, in fact, it's necessary because the kind of person who can lead a $10 million organization is very different than the kind of person who can lead a $500,000 organization. Right. So. There's some of those things that you need to look at and plan for. And so my my answer to that challenge is I hire way beyond the skill set I need today. 
So when, you know, I, I've been very blessed to work with some of the most amazing people in this company who are way overqualified for the job we brought them in for. Mm-hmm. But they see the vision and they're willing to take a step back to grow with us. But also it allows us to have some longevity where the business will grow into them, you know? Right. And that's that's a challenge that we never really think about, you know, the dealing with the evolution of your brand and your business growing. And that's actually really interesting. Can you please, before we end, one thing that I really took from our conversation were, you know, you, like we mentioned earlier, you work with a lot of different organizations. And um, I wanted you to share a little bit about the organizations that you work with, especially with vitamin D, um, mm-hmm. because I know I learned a lot about that. And I know that there are a lot of people who need to hear what you had to say about vitamin D deficiency and, you know, what we may not understand about it. Absolutely. So I am really passionate about this. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but I've had, I have people in my family who have cancer, and it's been a personal goal of mine because 96.7% of all cancer patients are vitamin D deficient. Mm-hmm. Um, so vitamin D sufficiency, getting your levels of vitamin D up, is important to your immune system functioning well. And also we always know vitamin D is for strong bones and strong mm-hmm. muscles. But, but what we've learned is a billion people worldwide are vitamin D deficient right now. In fact, the World, the World Health Organization has said that if we could make one inexpensive change in the world for overall health in every country, it would be to get people vitamin D sufficient. And wow. so vitamin D is not a vitamin. It's a hormone. We, do, we call it a vitamin, so we think about, oh, we take our vitamins every day. That's why we can't just get vitamin D sufficient just through that piece. Um, vitamin D is made in the skin. So hence where skin authority comes in. And that, right. that when you have exposure to, the, to sunlight, it hits your skin and it causes a chemical reaction that makes vitamin D. Vitamin D is the only vitamin made in the body. We now know that it's the only vitamin made in the body because it is a hormone. And as a hormone, it does just, it's just like estrogen, which means as we age, it depletes. And as it depletes, there's less and less of D in the skin to make D. Mm-hmm. More importantly, if, you have, if you're someone with color in your skin, so if you have type 3, type 4, type 5 color, just like sunblock will keep some of that UVB out, off the skin, and that means D cannot be made because the rays are being blocked by sunscreen. In the same way, your, body, your skin tone can act like a natural sunscreen. That, okay. that pigment or color in your skin will block D from being made. So what we find is that population today, 70, almost 70% of our population is a type 3, type 4, type 5, means darker or more pigment, Asian, mm-hmm. African American, Latina, Mediterranean, Middle Eastern. So as we look at all of that, that's where we've seen a huge growth in vitamin D deficiency is that people's skin, you know, as we, as we have children, our children's skin will be darker as we go. Yeah. So. So we, it's something that we need to address, and what we found is that by, you know, just educating yourself about vitamin D-rich foods, about making sure that you're supplementing, you know, D properly, making sure that topical D is applied, which is where skin authority comes in, because we want to put D back in the skin because the skin's no longer making it, giving it like a little gas in the gas tank. When we do that, you can be cosmetically beautiful. When you're, we find that when we're at the right levels of D, about 70% of our our skin is collagen, our dermis is collagen, which is really firm and beautiful. So mm-hmm. we can make it firm, beautiful, and glowing, but also, 
you know, just being conscious of your D levels, getting a blood test. That's the way you tell if you're D sufficient. If you're not on a medical program or if your medical program is too expensive for a blood test, you can go to the vitamindcouncil.org on, on the Internet. And when you go there for $50, you can get two at-home tests that you can actually prick your skin at home, send it in, and you'll get your own readings if that's cheaper than going to a doctor. And so we find that just knowing your D levels and being able to improve them is one of the biggest health goals. So we're very passionate about educating women and their children because women, eight out of every ten of us are deficient, which affects our overall ability to fight illness, and 76% of all of our newborn babies are deficient. So it's really a big thing for women to embrace and for women to be knowledgeable and to help their families be healthier. Oh, that's really great. Um, really quickly, what are some of the foods that um, you know, we can take in that offer more vitamin D? So mushrooms are very vitamin D rich. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the things that we don't like are vitamin D rich, sauerkraut, <laughs> sardines. That's why it's hard to get enough D in your diet, but right. definitely um, when you look at, and you can go to our website, there's a whole listing of the foods there, but but also, I think the biggest thing is, you know, obviously, D is present in anything that has calcium because D has to be with calcium to be absorbed. So that's why you see vitamin D-enriched milk, vitamin D-enriched cheese, because those are all things where vitamin D is put in the food to help you absorb the calcium from the milk and the cheese. So um, that's another ro- very important role vitamin D plays. So you can, you can do that, but you really need to also look at supplements and at, you know, topical uh, applications simply because... It is tough to get the right level of D every day. But by focusing on it and being aware, you can make sure that you're looking at foods that have D in them. Oh, that's really great. And the website is skinauthority.com, correct? correct? Yes. Okay. Um, and is through social media, is it all at Skin Authority? Is that the handle? Yes, it is at Skin Authority. And then also um, for me, for Twitter, if you want to reach out, I love tweeting with people, but I'm at Miss Skin is my Twitter uh, label, and you can reach out to me there. But definitely, um, and we also have our our Beauty Workout Zone, which is our blog. Oh, wonderful. Um, and guys, like I said, you should definitely try the app, which is free to download. Uh, it's a really great app and a really great opportunity, like I said, to love your skin. And we actually have a coupon code from Skin Authority, um, you get 20% off your first Skin Authority um, purchase, so you can have the opportunity to try the app, which is free, like I mentioned, and then go ahead and use the code. And the code is actually available on the website right now for all of you guys on our featured piece for Celeste Hilling, www.blog.afroshemompreneur.com, and We will have the link for you below, of course, in the article. But do take the time to try Skin Authority. It's a really great way to learn to love your skin, to ask questions about the challenges that you face with skin care, and to connect with Miss Celeste Hilling, who is amazing. (laughs) And like she said, she loves to connect on Twitter, at Miss Skin. So reach out to her. Thank you so much for speaking with us, Celeste. Nancy, thank you for all that you do for all of, to inspire all of us women to hang in there and be successful. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. I th- definitely enjoyed connecting with you. Thank you so much for making time. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to She Meets Radio. I am your host, Nancy Lord. Have a wonderful and productive day.